3: Welcome back for a new episode of Collider Movie Talk where we are covering Spider-Man Far From Home's box office, a record that had already broken. Then on top of that, Disney has officially cast... The Little Mermaid, the title role for Ariel, it went to someone we know who it is. We're excited about it. We're excited to share that news with you right now as the cast for that highly anticipated movie gets rounded out this week. It's so exciting. And I get to talk about that today with Jay Washington and Eric Eisenberg. Hey, hey. What's hey. up? I didn't get the hat memo. <laughs> <laughs>
4: You Sorry. know, I think you would never get the hat
3: memo. No, I don't. I don't. And I always love an excuse to wear a hat, so right. I don't have to do my hair. Yeah, you never just it. have it on.
4: Like, damn it, I should have wore a hat. As I'm we gonna, all
3: I'm well gonna, know, these bangs need a trim right now. I'm, it's I'm not a, a, okay.
4: I'm going to bring an extra hat every time I'm on movie talk. Just you, you always guys. have That's me nice, covered. Just yeah, I'm just I appreciate hat, that. Yeah. Not a problem.
3: Alright, ready to jump into some box office. We're going to do some box office analysis and also some predictions with this story. So, Spider-Man Far From Home comes out this weekend. Actually, it already came exactly. out. until Tuesday, And we've got reports saying that it debuted in 4,600 theaters and wound up making $39.2 million on Tuesday. Now, that means it topped The Amazing Spider-Man, which held the record for top single day for a Tuesday opening. That one held that record with $35 million. And it also beat the record held by Star Wars The Force Awakens, which had the title top single day gross for Tuesday. So one is gross for Tuesday. One is an opening for Tuesday uh, for 4. Awakens, it was $37.4 million. Now both of those records belong to Far From Home. You guys hear that. Is an opening on Tuesday that strong a surprise to you? And does it change what you think is going to happen for the rest of the holiday run?
0: Well, it's an interesting thing just because I feel like this year, the July 4th holiday is kind of on the perfect day because it sucks when it's on like a Friday or Saturday or sun- or mm-hmm. even a Sunday when you're taking away attention uh, from movies by... People go into fireworks, and instead you have now an extended weekend where people can go see movies freely. And so you now have a very, very – you have a lot of time for audiences to go see this movie. And also we are just at a point, especially after Endgame, where there is a lot of excitement for the Marvel Cinematic Universe right now. There's a lot of excitement for what Spider-Man is up to, and I think that is just all fueling a really big box office response. Yeah,
4: you knew it. When you found out the 4th of July was on a
0: Thursday – You're not going to drop it on a Thursday. You're damn sure not going to drop
4: it on a Wednesday. Movies have a history of being dropped on a Tuesday that make money. And again, coming off of Endgame with the re-release of Endgame with the extra footage, you're going right into that. So this was all smart. You knew it was going, you didn't think it would make the like record or whatnot, but you knew it was going to make good money on its opening night. And now it has an entire week to make a box office number Mm -hmm. that it's kind of hard to predict Mm -hmm. because we normally can go four days, but it's like five, six days. Do I dare
3: ask you guys, do you have a prediction, either for the six-day run or just for the regular three-day weekend?
0: Well, you know, I saw prognostications say something like in the realm of 125, yeah. which seems kind of so low. low. I think that's actually
3: like, the Sony projection. Which yeah, like, it seems to me like they might be doing that just so when it comes in way higher. They're like, oh, it's
0: like, yeah, very exciting. So good, you know? <laughs> uh, but I mean, honestly, just part of it is just like a look at Captain Marvel's opening, the three-day opening earlier this year, and that was 154 mm-hmm. million, which was insane like that was a lot of money and like kind of again broke expectations and the movie leading into Endgame right the movie afterwards yeah everybody
4: again you got to keep going back to this re-release because that's (laughs) all that that in the break the Avatar record was all it was for you just roll right on into Mm -hmm. it and so I think I'd say we got for almost 40 let's call it 40 million 40 million on a Tuesday some people may go tomorrow morning which is the 4th of July morning before the fireworks then you have that weekend I give it about 140, 150. For yes. six days? For six days. Okay.
3: I'm actually coming in way above that. And okay. I think it's because of this record breaking Tuesday release. I was thinking something more along the lines of like, 180, 185, which is very, very high. And, you know, it feels a little bit like a crapshoot because, again, it's a holiday. And, yes, it had this really big opening on Tuesday. But like you were kind of just hinting at right now, Jay, it's like, what do people even do on, let's say, a Wednesday when you're traveling to get to wherever you have to go? We have to factor in weather. Could weather be an issue in a big city across the country? somewhere? There's just so many things in play right now. And there is also the chance, just in case the three-day weekend comes in and it looks like a low number in comparison to let's say a Captain Marvel or something like that it's because it could be front loaded it just had a huge huge Tuesday so that Mm -hmm. three day it's not a comparable number to any other typical three day weekend. At the end
4: of the day Sony just wants an over total about 150 million no matter what they just want to say like you said Sony's projection is 125 they get 150 they're like well we're already in production on Spider-Man 3 which we already already know is happening because he's contracted to do one more but they'll let you know it's happening. All right. But,
3: just to lock in some numbers quickly sure. here, though, Steve Calderon in the live chat is saying, Spider-Man Homecoming made $154 million in the first six days. Can Far From Home top that? I go yes.
0: Yes, definitely. Yes? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah. I think part of it is honestly, like... When Spider-Man Homecoming first came out, people like we were still a few years removed from the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. It like we got to meet him in Civil War, but it was this really small role. At this point, we are now like we have had Tom Holland Spider-Man on the big screen every year since 2016. I was like, reading some is,
3: reports yeah. and I don't agree with this at uh-huh. all. I was reading some reports because you could take it one way. It's like even the Endgame thing, you could look at it one way or the other. Has Endgame sucked so much money out of the <laughs> 2019 box office that there just isn't that much to go around or is the Endgame storyline going to give this a boost and it's a similar thing with Spider with Tom Holland's mm-hmm. Spider-Man at least. Have we been oversaturated with Tom Holland's Spider-Man or are we all just such big fans that it's going to help? I think it's that. But well, let's go yeah. to
4: Infinity. you could say the same thing about Infinity War because <laughs> Infinity War made a killing at the box office and everybody was like oh so what's going to happen Ant-Man and the Wasp no matter how it was received it still made money its opening weekend because it was the follow up from Infinity War so I don't think there's a lag. People love Tom Holland. There's an argument that he is the best Spider-Man right now? You know, some people will still go Tobey Maguire, but I'm like, watch Spider-Man three again, <laughs> mm-hmm. and nobody's really saying it. People will say Andrew Garfield's a good Spider-Man, horrible Peter Parker. Yeah, but they're saying everybody as a whole agrees Tom Holland is the total package of this, and so I
0: don't think you can get tired of that. You enjoy what he brings to this. Mm-hmm. I will also just add to the mix uh, in the same way that people really wanted to see how Endgame turned out like for themselves. He had the whole Don't Spoil the Endgame campaign. There are a lot of surprises in Far From Home, particularly a lot of people are talking about the end credit sequences, which do legitimately pack a wall up, not going to spoil them here, but people are going to want to go see that in theaters for themselves as opposed to like risking going on Twitter and Mm -hmm. seeing it just pop up on their feed accidentally. Well, funny you
3: should bring that up. If anybody does want that kind of content spoiled for them, (laughs) we're going to have a whole ton of spoiler content. I believe spoiler talk for Spider-Man Far From Home is already live on the channel so you could check that out if you've seen the movie. I do want to bring up one other point because it does seem like this summer in particular with every single new big release we're getting, this is what the conversation is revolving around, how many movies we have, how many reboots or remakes or sequels we're getting and what that could be doing to the landscape. And I was reading a piece on Variety and they had one sentence in there that it kind of gave me, like, bad chills a little <laughs> bit. They wrote, only Disney has reaped big profits while its rivals falter. The studio has fielded the four biggest movies of the year so far and controls nearly 40% of the stateside market share. What do you make of this statement? And I guess does that mean it's so, going to help for <laughs> Tell all?
4: the other studios to step up, these other bigger studios. Warner Brothers can put money behind a project just as much as Disney can. Now, granted, I'm not going to say the film itself, but when it comes to the marketing and the push, they can do that. They don't. Disney makes sure no matter what we get all these movies in front of us consistently. We're constantly bombarded by advertisements on it, whether it be the radio, television, social media. You're constantly hitting. So you're like, okay, I'm gonna go see this, whether you weren't if you weren't sure or not.
3: It doesn't entirely feel fair to say to everybody else, (laughs) step up your game, because there are other studios that released really solid films, and because this... And I'm not taking away anything from Endgame, because, again, my favorite movie of the year, I think it deserved to make all the money that it did, but all that. There's only so much to go around and so much of that went to Endgame that it doesn't give certain other films the opportunity that they would have had otherwise. But we do have a situation where so many of the other studios are giving us, let's say, a Men in Black or even, you know, you could loop in Godzilla where that yeah. franchise seems to have fizzled out.
0: Well, I was actually going to say that, like, I think quality might have something to do with it on a certain level simply <laughs> because, like, this year has not been great. Which is so encouraging.
3: Which is so encouraging. Men in Black yeah. international
4: was put up so high to win a came out, everybody was like, are you
1: serious? It's <laughs>
3: probably all, also worth noting that uh, Spider-Man Far From Home is a Sony release. Let's not forget sure. that. It's right. this, Sony, is not yes. a, this is not a Disney film. Yes, Marvel has a creative hand in what happens in this movie, but it's the Sony distribution that's behind it, and they're making the box office money. Sure. Yeah, but
4: that's still having the Marvel juggernaut behind you, pushing it. It is, but that, technically
3: that, when we're talking about these stats, just saying, yeah, it's all,
4: it absolutely goes, <laughs> Sony did this, and yeah. Sony did this with Homecoming. Sony's Going to do this with the Spider-Man third movie, we get that. But I, I'm not trying to downplay the other films. It's the the production companies. There are some studios that can do it. A Paramount can do it. A Warner Brothers can do it. A Sony can do it, as we see. A Fox could, but Fox is now owned by Disney, mm-hmm. so that's a whole different ball game. Say, yeah. You know. But when it comes to the promotion and the marketing of a film, that's the biggest thing. We're not talking about having two three hundred million three hundred million dollar films keep coming out because every film is not going to be that. Again. Men in Black International. What? What was the budget for that? Like one something, if not a little bit higher. It,
3: it was significant. It was significant <laughs> to
4: not even really. Everybody's like, "Oh, this was a flop. This is not what I expected." Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Oh my God, we get Godzilla back on the screen. Has been so long. It comes out, everybody sees him. Like, oh well, that was
0: it. Okay. Yeah. Honestly, like, it kind of makes John Wick look all that much more impressive because yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's a franchise that a couple of years ago you would have never banked on just yeah. because of our current climate, the way that like yeah. we, that we really feed established brands, which, of course, is a huge part of this entire conversation. But, yeah, now John Wick 3 is coming out and making more than any movie in the, in the previous ser- in the series. So, yeah, it's... Uh, to them. The thought
3: of quality being rewarded across the board is very encouraging. So sure. as long as that continues to happen, because I think that was another point that this Variety article kept making, is they had quotes from individuals in the industry that kept saying, you know, like people are smart, moviegoers are smart, they know that they want to spend their hard-earned dollars on something that's worthwhile. So <laughs> hey, if you make something that's worthwhile, hopefully that is a very good sign. You will get people. To I, real see quick, I just
4: think that won't apply to Hobbs and Shaw because everybody just <laughs> wants to see stuff blow up I'm and rock the- so But I'm just saying people want to see it just because of the, the Rock and J. Jay- and stayed them you know you like they could sit there and be playing tiddlywinks there with each other there is
3: nothing wrong with that and I do have very high hopes that they're going to make do on those oh. expectations that that cast sets oh, alright guys we're not leaving Spider-Man Far From Home just yet because we need to remind you that comic book shopping is up and running and Jake Gyllenhaal was on the show so check it out right now for Comic Book Shopping, our first ever international episode.
1: And I'm here with Mysterio himself, Jake Gyllenhaal. What's going on? It's just the beginning of the absurd things I've done in my career. We can fly out of this scene. (laughs) (laughs) Cosmic energy flavor. Cosmic energy flavor. Love it. So we're here at Orbital Comics. We are very far from home. And we're here to promote Spider-Man far from home. Are you ready to do some comic book shopping? Totally. Let's get some comics. All right.
3: So, in addition to that, we do have Movie Talk coming your way tomorrow. It's a pre recorded episode. It's a really cool topic that I can't wait for you guys to check out. And then on Friday, there is no Movie Talk, but in its place, we did a very special episode of Four Year Consideration. It's our mid year special. So, if you want to know the movies that have come out so far in 2019 that could be up for Oscars come the end of the year, you can check out that discussion right here on the channel, 3 p.m. PT on Friday. So, Don't miss that one. All right, story number two. Big, big casting news today, especially after we've covered this a couple of times this year. THR is reporting, and I believe Disney has confirmed, that singer Halle Bailey, I need to, like, (laughs) say and not say Halle Berry, which is apparently an issue (laughs) many people suffer, has been selected as Ariel for the live-action remake of Little Mermaid. Bailey is best known as one half of the singing duo known as Chloe and Halle. And this will be her first major acting role, having previously played a supporting part on the Freeform series grown Filming on The Little Mermaid is expected to begin in early 2020. So other than very briefly thinking that Halle Berry was the <laughs> new Ariel in Little Mermaid, what did you guys make of this news when you first heard it?
4: I was like, yes, <laughs> let's do this. She has the voice for, to sing the songs. She's a great actress. You don't see, get much of her in Grownish, but to have her be at the forefront of this, all I need is either Keith David, Mahershala Ali, or Danny Glover to be
0: Triton, yeah. and I'm happy. That's good stuff. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree with you that, like, the music is just such a huge part of mm-hmm. it, so getting an actual singer is a... Mm-hmm. That's a huge, big deal, and I have seen a few episodes of grown and she especially has great, uh, like, great just kind of tete-a-tete with her sister, which I guess we won't see in this one, but to see her try something on her own is exciting by itself. So, yeah, I, yeah. Was,
3: I was so hyped to hear this, especially because ever since we heard about the Melissa McCarthy thing, it has just made the most sense to me to have, you know, not just Melissa McCarthy, but for the sake of a conversation right now, mm. Melissa McCarthy is your headliner, and then give this opportunity to someone who doesn't have that super wide yep. audience, that A-lister weight to swing around, but someone who's super talented and deserving of the role, because 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 really, the only thing that I want in this role whatsoever is someone who could deliver a good performance and can sing. Because that's key. And it seems like they ticked both boxes. And maybe then some. Because, again, this is a big investment for Disney. These live-action remakes are very, very important to them. They do not take this casting lightly. And if this is who they settled on, I believe it's the right choice.
4: They've had to hear her sing in person. And not just listen to, you know, like YouTube things. They had to hear her sing in person just to have that feel if it gives them the emotions. They had, her, they had to have her sing the actual songs from one or two of the songs from the movie for them to say, This is our Ariel. Mm-hmm. Because again, like you said, it needs somebody to be in the forefront. If not, if, if you didn't have anybody that you were like, oh, I don't know if we should put him as Ariel, let's see what happens, then this movie becomes about Melissa McCarthy. Let's just keep it real. It becomes about yeah. Melissa McCarthy. And it's not about Ursula, it's about the little mermaid
0: who is Ariel. Yeah. And actually like just I mean you made the point about these movies being so important to Disney right now. Uh like th- especially there is that like core four early 90s which is Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King and Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. these are the four that kind of really brought back the studio. <laughs> Makes but, me like,
3: such a 90s child. That well, yes, it,
0: <laughs> that's what we are. I mean let's not be ashamed, but I think but the thing is, is like I think there is a particularly special inf- like importance that Disney is going to have to put on this film if not just because like Obviously, young kids are still growing up with the animated versions, but there's also audiences of our age, which have that nostalgia factor and mm. look back on these movies, and a huge part of that is obviously the music. like That is in- perfectly ingrained mm-hmm. within everything about this, so that's kind of why I think that Music fr- music First is kind of the way to go with it, and yeah, it seems like they made the right call on that.
3: Yeah, it seems like they're taking a lot of steps in the right direction, but given all the information we got this week and some of the stuff we knew mm. from previous reports about who's attached to work on this project, whether it is in front of the camera or behind the scenes. Is it smooth sailing at this point for this Little Mermaid movie? Or is there anybody attached that you're like, hmm, not quite sure about them yet? Well,
0: I mean, the other names that we've heard so far is Aquafina yes. as uh, the seagull, Scuttle, and Jacob Tremblay as Flounder, which are both oh, perfect. perfect. <laughs> you can <could laughs> like, throw
3: in Melissa McCarthy. And you Melissa could, McCarthy you could sure. Throw in yeah. Director Rob Marshall. Yeah. And Lynn Manuel and, Miranda. Yeah. Lynn Manuel Miranda. Miranda is a producer. Is uh, yes, right? Yeah. A- and
4: potentially
3: everybody's betting that he, he's, he's going to be Sebastian. Yeah. You're right. I don't yes. understand why they're hiding that because You're I I, I would put that. everything I have on that being the case. I think whenever they announced
4: the Triton. And I can't remember the, the the sailor name that she falls in love with. Prince Eric. Yeah, Prince Eric. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, that's, I mean, I take that one personally, personally being named, named Eric, yes. But, so yes, <laughs> I do. When I we get that, those yeah. announcements, we'll probably get all three of those together.
3: Yeah, I'm curious to hear more about the cast. The only... The only individual I am not 100% behind at this point is is just Rob Marshall. Mm -hmm. And I know he's got wonderful films to his name. (laughs) He has a great track record, especially when it comes to musical movies. Mm -hmm. It's just, when I think about so many of these big projects, he's such an obvious choice for something like this. (laughs) And especially, I forget what the words they used in the previous report. It's like contemporary or something, because when you... All right, this this is going to sound so contradictory, because when it comes to The Lion King, I'm like, yes, give me all the frames, exactly <laughs> like my favorite uh, original movie. But I do think there is something to be said for taking every avenue you possibly can to bring these stories back to screen in a different way, where you can also drive people back to the original if they haven't seen them. But do something different. Spice it up. Take this idea a step forward. And just because Rob Marshall, in my mind, is the safe choice. I'm not saying he can't do a great mm-hmm. job with this movie, but... There's a little room for me to have gotten more excited about an up-and-comer getting this opportunity. What
4: what you just said is why. Because on one hand, there are a bunch of people who want this frame by frame no matter what and there are people who want give me some of the frames but give me a different twist so it's like how do you please everybody with this you can't you can't so you just go haven't you
3: learned anything from the internet
0: (laughs) well I mean honestly it kind of also interestingly goes back to those four titles that I mentioned because if you look at the movies that they have made uh, from the animation into Mm -hmm. live action Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin are much more like Committed to bringing the animated movie to life, versus say Jungle Book, which mm-hmm. essentially turned it into Lion King, or uh, mm-hmm. or even Cinderella, which took away the like. I mean, that entire movie is completely different. Or Dumbo, where you just completely changed the, the context entire movie, of yeah. everything. And I think part of that is because, again, that the audience who grew up with those movies, like specifically had those movies playing in theaters, they're not really. Here now, they're not like they're yeah. not like anticipating Little Mermaid or like they're not just they're just not as present as so like I do feel like Disney is maybe teetering on like almost too much nostalgia, like pushing for these more modern films, which is an interesting challenge. And yeah. I think isn't it just about Rob Marshall, particularly after Mary Poppins return. It's
4: just hard to it's just hard to figure out what to do because if like I said, if you change it, you have the nostalgia core who's like, well, this isn't the movie I know. Right, but if you make it the movie that everybody knows, then you have that fan base again. It's like, give me something new. Give me me something (laughs) new. It's just like you can't please everybody. Yeah, exactly.
0: Right.
3: It's yeah. It it seems like such a double edged sword to me, and. I don't know. I feel like we're seeing this in other franchises where there's a whole bunch of people out there, and there's nothing wrong with this either, because I'm attached to so much material that I Mm -hmm. grew up with, like Lion King, and I don't want to see a change that want, like, just that, stay true to what I already know and love, and then there's a whole bunch of newcomers who already know that exists, and they want something a little spicier, a little Mm -hmm. more timely, and it is not an easy endeavor Mm -hmm. to balance the two, and especially with the slate Disney has now, minus, I guess, Avatar, which was an original idea. Like, they're just playing the remake sequel cinematic universe yeah. game over and over and over again so everybody else good luck is, to them figuring yeah. it out and keeping it going because
4: yeah, everybody else is playing that game look at how me- child's play just came out no matter how people received it child's play came out Pet Cemetery just came out Halloween 2 is coming out next year we're playing that game no matter what so it's like might
0: as well jump on the train I mean it is also interesting at the same time though like you have Walt Disney Animation and Pixar which are making I mean with the exception of the sequels like Toy Story 4 which is just a legit but they are making original stories and creating Mm -hmm. original worlds but they also happen to have the brand associated (laughs) with the like being Pixar and Walt Disney Animation so yeah it's an interesting trend that apparently Disney just wins no matter what
4: yeah I feel
3: like we just put all the way in Disney's corner
4: (laughs) I mean it's not to be first of all it's not to be shilling for Disney because that's what the comments are probably saying it's just the truth of what's happening right now it's just the truth they have original properties but then they have properties that are still original that they owned from way back it's just like there's a new generation out here let them see it Remember, they used to re-release tapes and DVDs out of the (laughs) vault vault all the time. I
3: remember the vault. The vault and uh, the shell, the shell, time shell 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 I still have quite a few of them. All right, we're going to stick with, I guess, the topic of sequels, remakes, re-releases, whatever you want to call it, for a question in the live chat from Louis E. De La Pena, who's asking, in honor of Jumanji The Next Level, which video game would you like to be sucked into and what character would you like to play? Oh, wow. I like this question
0: put
4: me in the legend of zelda and i want to be link yep i want to wear the green stuff and everything and have just the sword and go find triforces
0: i am not a huge video game person so i feel like i'm totally like at a negative potential place with this but uh so, but I was, like, that's the thing. My urge is to say something like Mortal Kombat, but it's like, no, you don't want to go into Mortal Kombat. you <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Uh, let's say, okay, Pokemon. I'll go with that. Yeah, I no, that, that seems like. Uh, I mean, but that I seems like. Yeah. Ender. Well, there you go. Oh, I want a Bulbasaur. So yeah, no, <laughs> <All> both, <laughs> right. done. No, All right. so we, can both, it,
3: we can both be in the game. Exactly. To get a different there you because go. Both done. Perfect. Last
1: This is a. It was either that or I
3: was going to pick Ninja Turtles because I love Ninja Turtles. That was my favorite game growing up. All right, that is a wrap on today's edition of Collider Movie Talk. Thank you to everybody out there for watching and an extra. Special thank you to Eric for joining us today. Jay, as always, Thursday. It's not Thursday. It's not yet.
4: Thursday. No,
0: I think that's what's for
4: you. All. I was like, I, know, I wanted to this? say something about Thursday originally, but I was like, today is Wednesday as and we are live. It was It was
3: nice to have you on a Wednesday. Dorian, thanks for manning the live chat. Adam in the booth back there. You rock. Guys, thank you so much again for watching this episode. Tell everybody you know about us on the YouTube channel in podcast form. And don't forget, tomorrow, 3 p.m., not live, but you will get a brand new episode. We are talking about the new members of the Academy. It's a big deal, and I get to break all that down with Angelique Jackson and Roth Cornett, so don't miss it tomorrow, 3 p.m. PT. That's still that. Yeah, just not live. (laughs) I'll see you then. Go there.
2: Napa Know How. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa.